Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Wednesday edition of PFTPM. I have some bad news. Shereen Williams is off today. She'll be back on Friday. I have some good news, although it doesn't quite offset the fact that Shereen won't be here. Tom Curran will be joining us momentarily to talk Patriots and the rest of the AFC East. And then later in the program, Paul Allen, the great Paul Allen, will be joining us to talk Vikings and the rest of the NFC North and then football pod in America, as always, on Wednesdays. This is the day we're live on Sky Sports NFL in the UK and in Ireland. So hello to our friends there. Hello to our audience on Peacock and our podcast audience. A couple of things you need to know very quickly before we bring in Tom Curran. First, despite the fresh COVID-19, I don't want to call it an outbreak yet because it's just one guy, but the positive test for receiver Kendrick Bourne that happened on Tuesday, which means he provided a sample Tuesday morning. It turned out to be positive Tuesday evening and or Wednesday morning, I guess, or Wednesday morning. That means he was in the facility on Tuesday when they were practicing, when they were preparing for Thursday night's game against the Packers. Now, he obviously won't play on Thursday night. The latest in a long line of 49ers players who aren't available, the rest of them, though, due to injury. The question becomes, what close contacts did he have? High-risk contacts that will be knocked out for five days, meaning they won't play on Thursday night. Game is still on. Packers traveling to Santa Clara for that showdown with the San Francisco 49ers. In theory, the game could be bumped to Sunday, to Monday, even to Tuesday. But if it hasn't happened yet, it's probably not going to happen. And I think that with the NFL, as it relates to COVID, there's an urgency. When the ball's on the tee, let's get the game over with before the numbers get to a point where we lose the game altogether. So the 49ers clearly will be at a disadvantage Remains to be seen how big of a disadvantage it will be based on other players who may be on the high-risk close contact list and not able to play tomorrow night. We'll just see. But for now, Thursday Night Football still on. 49ers even more shorthanded. Packers reeling after losing on Sunday, but in a good position to go steal one because of the injuries coupled with the COVID-19 situation. All right. Trade deadline <clears throat> Excuse me, came and went yesterday. Not much went on. The Patriots were not sellers, even though they're two and five. One of the guys who was rumored to be available, Stephon Gilmore, obviously that didn't happen. Coach Bill Belichick was asked about what he knows regarding whether or not they entertained offers for Gilmore. Here's Belichick from earlier today. There was also a report that you guys at least entertained offers for Stephon Gilmore. Is there any truth to that? Yeah, not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. I would like to think that Bill Belichick would be aware if there were any trade offers entertained for Stephon Gilmore. And as you are now aware, there's Tom Curran in his car. I hope you're not driving. Are you driving? No. Look, all the traffic's going past me at 70 miles an hour. Oh, you pulled over. Good. I pulled over. I had to go to Gillette for, uh, you know, the 5 o'clock Patriots Wednesday live hit. So, uh, So, you know. What do you need? Yeah. I, well, I need to talk to you for a few minutes. I appreciate you, uh, you know, pulling off to the side of the road and joining us for a few seconds while we have technical difficulties that are making this look like some sort of a game of tic-tac-toe. And there, there's Tom Curran. Uh, so what's the mood up there with this unprecedented turn of event, uh, events, at least unprecedented in the last 20 years with the Patriots at 2-5? and five? Great question, Mike. The, the mood is split. There is one half of New England, I believe, that says, where's your loyalty? You got six rings. You had an unbelievable time. You saw the greatest fortune dynasty in NFL history. And then there is the other polarization, the far anti-bill, if you will, that says he has been a disaster and he has been terribly in the draft and he needs to be held accountable and called to account. And somebody's got to make an answer for it. I fall somewhere in the middle. I've certainly had a great time covering this football team. I'm lucky as hell to have done so. And privileged, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now from the side of the road on my way to a television show if I hadn't covered it. So all that said, 
you can't be as futile in the draft as the Patriots have been for the last five or six years and not get called to task when the team goes two and five once you finally have the dress that covered a multitude of sins ripped away. Did I just choose an emperor has no clothes reference? I don't want to go that far, Mike. I don't. Yeah, that's not an image that I want to get into, especially as it relates to our good friend Bill Belichick. Let me ask you this, though. We started with Belichick saying he wasn't aware of any offers that were entertained for Stephon Gilmore. Again, surely he would be if there were. Are you aware of whether or not they actually fielded offers, sought offers, solicited, obtained, whatever verbs we want to use, were there offers on the table for Stephon Gilmore? There were conversations. There were conversations during the draft and training camp. And that had been reported previously by Albert Breer. There are people within the league that I spoke to to find out what the interest level was around the NFL with Stephon Gilmore. And what I learned was the Patriots were not actively shopping him. He was a, you want to make an offer, we're going to listen to it type situation. But this again, and Bill, like you referenced it with Bill a little bit, he is betwixt and between. He's in an uncommon situation for himself to be two and five and, and on the precipice of a, season gone kaput where he has to decide how he's going to operate. And I think that he has to weigh strongly whether or not this is a team that he wanted to move a good player on from. And as it relates to Stefan, he still has the 2021 season on his deal. So Mike, there's no great urgency to move him now for something that can help you in April. What is interesting though, is Joe Tooney is a player who's franchised and they are in danger of losing him with nothing in return. If, depending upon what they bring in the compensatory picks. Yeah, and the problem is if you didn't trade him, or if you did trade him, excuse me, the new team steps into the Patriots' shoes, can't sign him to a long-term deal, has to play the game out with the franchise tag the second time. A 20% raise for Tooney is his leverage. Hard to get a deal done under those circumstances. They traded for Isaiah Ford, which was kind of a surprise. What do they know about him? What did they see in him? Why did they want the receiver who comes to them from Miami? They need a body, man. They just, they're trying to get to zero. I mean, they are at sub-zero right now at the wide receiver spot, Mike. They have Gunnar Olszewski, who can't, literally can't catch the ball. Um, he's a converted corner from Bemidji State. He's in their wide receiver room as a second-year player. Then they have Gunnar, uh, excuse me, um, Jacoby Myers, who had a good game last week, undrafted, out of North Carolina State, and he had five catches last week. But they, after that, have Demir Bird, who's overachieving as a, really their best wide on before the fourth. They didn't have anyone. Nikhil Harry's got a concussion. He had concussion issues in high school that we are, you know, really starting to come to grips with because we found a story this week. He contemplated not playing high school football because of concussions. He just suffered a devastating hit uh, two weeks ago. And we'll see how he progresses. And Julian Edelman, of course, had surgery and he'll be down for a while. So they needed a human there, Mike. You know, something that happened late last week and then into this week, the original comments from Bill Belichick to former Patriots offensive coordinator Charlie Weiss on Sirius XM, and then the WEEI remarks where Belichick was grilled about this, this perception slash reality that he's making an excuse for what's going on this year. Let's start with, and, and are we on the same page that he is making an excuse? Some people are saying, oh, he's just stating facts when he says that this year was set up to be a rough year from a cap standpoint because we sold out to win Super Bowls. For now, threshold issue, do we agree that that constitutes making an excuse for this year? Mike, I'm offended by the by, by, by his... I'm literally offended that he would say it. So yes, we're on the same page. Okay. Now, as to the accuracy of the statement, are we on the same page that it is a load of bunk? That there wasn't some sort of selling out the future and mortgaging future caps and pushing money around and knowing that all along 2020 is going to be this reckoning where we may be two and five through seven games. Yes, we are on the same page there. And I arrive at it in a different way than you do, but we both get to the same eventual point. Yeah, I mean, I thought Ben Volan's article in the Boston Globe was very instructive on the data points that show 
there wasn't some ridiculous drunken sailor spending by the Patriots in past years. They were below the NFL spending average the last three Super Bowl years, Tom. So there was never a sense. You know, we've seen teams over the years, and we know when they are going to have to pay the piper eventually. We know they're going to have a rough year. We know the chickens are going to come home to roost and whatever other cliche we want to use. That was never the sense with the Patriots. Never the sense. Not that it was a cap issue. A talent issue, but not a cap issue. Uh, the way I arrived at it, Mike, was to look at it this way. The Patriots pushed away from the table on homegrown talent that they should have or could have had to pay. Chandler Jones, Dante Hightower, Malcolm Butler, and Jamie Collins. All of them, except for Hightower, went out the door. Patriots made good moves in doing that. Other teams paid a high price for those guys and wasn't proven that they were going to be the missing pieces in those places. Did the same thing with Trey Flowers. So they've sidestepped contract after big contract. Who have they brought in in terms of big free agents? One, Stephon Gilmore. They've sidestepped for two decades paying Tom Brady at anything resembling close to market value. He hasn't had a $14 million hit on a cap, Mike, until 2018. So for Bill Belichick to act as if he's got cap constraints, and really I take it as rock kicking over Brady's $14 million in dead money. Well, we get that. We also have... Antonio Brown, which idiot reporters in New England were telling you don't do it before you did it. Same thing with Michael Bennett. What do you want him? He's dead money. So you get $25 million worth of dead money between those three guys in March. And now you're going to complain. You have the gall to complain about Tom Brady's dead money after he gave you 20 years of good, of good fortune against the cap. It's crap. It's four years of second-round picks spent on Cyrus Jones and Jordan Richards and Jawan Williams and Kyle Duggar and Mohamed Sanu, Duke Dawson, and on Mohamed Sanu, it's really, really, really poor roster management, and it gets back to Brady covering things up for him. Okay, now l- let me ask you this before we pivot to AB and Tom Brady together again in Tampa. I I had been told for years that the Patriot way consists of never making excuses under any set of circumstances, typically in the context of injuries. You got an injury, no excuse. Next man up, and the next man up is expected to perform at the level of the guy he's replacing. We're not going to get long in the mouth. We're not going to say, oh, woe is us. We're not going to say it's not our year. And that applies to everything. There's never an excuse. What stuns me the most about Bill Belichick making excuses is that the locker room is going to hear this, Tom. And they're going to be guys in there that are thinking, hey, well, it's not our year, right? Bill said so. And they're not going to suck it up. And they're not going to go out there and try to find a way to scratch and claw and maybe steal a seven seed and get hot in January. He's giving them license to say, hey, it's a crazy upside down pandemic year and it's a cap situation. And we'll worry about 2021 for football. For now, let's just get through the season. Do you agree with that? Mike, think about this. When you indicate that you were all in, and pushed your cards into the middle of the table in the other years? What does that say about this year? What does that tell your coaching staff about this year? If they're sitting there until midnight every night getting ready for a game in which they know they're out there with a cap gun, we're not all in this year? So does that mean we can leave early? Does that mean these players don't have to come <laughs> for we, we were all in last year, but not now. So the, the players can go home to their families instead of living in the hotel so that they don't bring COVID home? I mean – it is, again, he's 68 years old, the most accomplished coach in perhaps American professional sport history, certainly the NFL. But it just shows you how unbelievably unfamiliar the territory is for him to be two and five and having to explain things. Um, and I think football coaches, coaches in general, but football coaches are hardwired to find excuses, make excuses and whine. And some of the excuses that Bill's making do hold some water. He's got eight, eight opt outs to COVID. And but you don't make excuses. Been... You don't make excuses in New England. That's what's stunning to me, Tom. Same, same. Hey, I got. I feel badly that I, I wasn't able to plan better, but they put a segment in for us that I have to get to. Okay. All right. Well, so we'll let say, you go, Tom. We appreciate your time. To be my... careful. Be careful oh, merging onto the highway. Stop feeding your dog donuts, and we'll talk to you soon. There he goes. Tom. Look at that. Look at that take a break there he goes i don't want to see any of that that's unsafe there's there's Bo curran eating donuts out of a bag and hopefully not getting his head stuck in the bag like tom does when he eats donuts out of a bag 
Uh, here's Antonio. Oh, we're going to take a break. I thought I thought we were going to play Antonio Brown. Let's take a let's, let's play Antonio Brown because he did make his arrival today. His last team was the Patriots. His new team is the Buccaneers. Here he is meeting with reporters after his first practice in Tampa. Well, I just been spending a lot of time with family, uh, working on myself with them, and uh, just staying resilient. You know, uh, keeping the, the mind on the mission. Uh, that's. Uh, being a football player and uh, doing all the things that come with that, even when the times got hard, you know, keeping myself in shape, uh, keeping myself uh, motivated from within, uh, not listening to the naysayers or not giving doubt or worries about will I be able to return. You know, I had good trainers, good people around me in my corner that uh, kept me encouraged, uh, that kept me motivated. And uh, I just uh, believe, you know, uh, I knew one day I would get a chance to be back in this position. And I just try to check every box to make sure uh, when I was able to get back, you know, that I was ready to go. He's wearing that TB12 hat. He should put a TB12 tattoo somewhere on his body after everything Tom Brady has done for him. Tom Brady believes in this guy, and he doesn't believe in him just because he feels like being nice to someone. He sees the value that Antonio Brown can bring to a football team. He saw enough from Antonio Brown in a limited time with the Patriots to believe that this guy is special. I got a feeling he's going to be doing special things for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I almost said Patriots. Tampa Bay Buccaneers beginning on Sunday night against the New Orleans Saints. Let's take a quick break. When we return, Paul Allen, play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Vikings, one of the stunning upsets of Week 8. Can the Vikings keep it going and somehow salvage a decent season out of a 1-5 start? We'll talk to Paul Allen when PFTPM continues right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What do you make of uh, how, how quiet things were yesterday at the trade deadline? Is it kind of a sign for this organization that you guys feel confident with what you have moving forward? Yeah, I mean, we like our guys. Uh, you know, we've got a bunch of good guys on this team, and we just, you know, we just need to continue to get better and play better. And uh, I don't think there was much movement at all at the trade deadline, was there? Mike Zimmer, coach of the Vikings, pulled off a victory on Sunday. Paul Allen stealing Mike Zimmer's headphones for our segment today. Are those Zimmer's headphones? Um, I, I can neither confirm nor deny, but uh, my friend Teddy says hello to you. Teddy. Say hello hey, to Mike. Hey, Teddy. What's up, Teddy? And, Hi, Teddy. And, and uh, look, he's got this. And by the way, the, uh, the the numbers on the back here, Michael, uh, before we That's beat good. Houston was like what I felt our final uh, win total was going to be this year. And I think Teddy would love Mason. Okay, Teddy, you got to yeah, go. Te- I like Bye-bye. the tricolored Teddy. Uh, what are you Thank doing you. wearing an NFL logo hat? You're like Rob Lowe with the toque instead of the, the cap. You don't want to see. You don't want to see. You don't want to see the hair. I didn't have time right. uh, with the Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday. I didn't have time to uh, to get my hair done. So here I am. So what were you thinking on Sunday when the Vikings were going through literally the Swiss cheese of the Green Bay Packers defense? Now, it was back and forth in the first half, but they pulled away in the second half. It basically was a tennis match. The Vikings broke serve once, and that was that. What were your impressions? Oh, I mean, we've always known Green Bay's kryptonite is a physical running game. 
see next level Shanny two times last year. Uh, Dalvin got him for 75 last year. It's just the quarterback couldn't close on it. King picked him off. So that's the kryptonite. And uh, Dalvin broke their spirit. And I, and I think that was really evident, Michael, when um, there was an extra point that the, the long snapper snapped really high and Colquitt got it and put it down and barely banged it through. But the majority of the Packers had their hands on their hips. And, you know, if they had run in there to try to block that, they would have blocked it. But they, uh, they had their spirit broken. You know, it's funny, Aaron Rodgers said after the game that he noticed a lack of energy. And I know you're not at the games in person, but did you sense beyond that extra point, did you sense something different about the Packers on Sunday? Well, I've just I've just seen it before because I like watching Green Bay Packers football a lot. I'm a fan of Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones, and they're the number one team to beat every year in the division. So I've just seen it with certain teams who do it a certain way and and they stick with it. And I mean, Dalvin's situation was an aberration because he just he, he was unstoppable, specifically with that 50 yard screen. You know, Darnell Savage is a fantastic second-year safety, Michael, but he's been on the wrong side of, it, of just getting shaken out of his cleats by Dalvin uh, the last two games at Lambeau. So that's what Dalvin does, and uh, it, it never really was just a, a pounded-ahead running game. I mean, it was big run after big run. Quarterback only had to throw 14 times. For my taste, his best game of the season because he hit on all the right third downs, and now you, uh, now you play the kiddies. Beat the Packers gave the Seahawks everything they could handle, gave the Titans everything they could handle. And when you look at the upcoming schedule, starting with the Lions coming to town this weekend, and, and we're supposed to go one game at a time because that's what they all do, but we're allowed to peek mm -hmm. ahead. There's a stretch here where, you know, the Monday night game in Chicago is never a gimme. That always turns out poorly for the Vikings, it seems like. But the Bears aren't as good as they were earlier this year. I feel like if they can get past this Lions game, maybe they can start to put a little something together. And before you know it, maybe start getting getting to a point where 500 is attainable. I'm with you. Um, I'm not big dwell guy, you know, and certainly hopefully the players and coaches aren't either specifically out of the buy off the upset at Lambeau. Man, the uh, the Tennessee and Seattle games, two good teams. It's, it's just a shame they didn't get those games because specifically with some of the defensive players that – you know, Zimmer's rolling out there doing the best he can. Um, but now moving forward, the, this, and, I, and I'm not going one game at a time on to Cincinnati, Michael, but it's consistency has been a problem with this team. And, and you've said it on my show and, and said it um, and said it with Chris in the morning. You, you don't do to Seattle what you did and then do with Atlanta what you did. It, it just can't happen. You know, and the quarterback has to be better. And he only threw 14 last time and he's going to throw more this game. Uh, Jefferson should have a nice, nice game this weekend, but they have to be consistent and come through. One thing Kyle Rudolph told me last Friday on this program, the Vikings have an issue, not just recovering from a big loss that leaves them feeling deflated. They have an issue with recovering from a big win. Should there be concern of a letdown after this upset of the Packers? That's a great question because, I mean, here we are, Wednesday practice is done. I know who was out there. I know what their vibe is. I don't know who the corners are going to be this weekend outside of Jeff Gladney. And you got the Temple rookie Harrison Hand. I mean, at the end of the game, you had those two rookies trying to slow an HOF quarterback and Devontae Adams with safety Josh Metellus, a rookie, playing for the first time all season. Anthony Harris goes down to nickel. So if you got a full week to do something like that, I guess it could be better. And Green Bay's better than Detroit. But there's that component of it. Now you're coming home to the empty stadium, super quiet, you know, and, and when you want the skull channel, let's get going here from two and five, just like Florio says, beat this team. No fans at Soldier Field. Go beat that team. Then you got Dallas, Carolina and Jacksonville, whatever order. Go beat them. It, it's it's they need to motivate themselves better than they did against Atlanta and better than they've done most of the season, honestly. I feel like I never understand the specific deadlines that apply to the COVID-19 reserve list and the various ways you can land on it. But Matthew Stafford now on the COVID-19 reserve list, that doesn't bode well for him playing this weekend. And without Stafford, hmm. I don't know, three and five well, looking I'm, pretty good. Yeah, we went through it last week with Cam Dantzler, and I'm not going to guess on the exact days for Matthew, but like Dantzler, I guess he he was next, he was with, by somebody who got bit or something like that, so now all of a sudden you're in protocol. And then now the testing Monday, so Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, which means his testing began 
Tuesday into Wednesday with the contact tracing. So he had to come up good on Sunday, which he did. That's why I was able to play. Then he got hurt. So I'm assuming Stafford needs to go not detected in bioreference terms. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then he's in. I bet you he plays. How often they test you? Uh, twice a week. Uh, when, uh, when, when the Titans rolled in here uh, with some positive players and uh, played the team, then it, then it got a little herky-jerky here and everywhere. Um, that was two times a week, uh, up to three with point of contact each time. So then you got to wait in the parking lot and, you know, make sure that you don't come up detected. Um, but basically once or twice a week to get into the facility three days a week in my little quarantine Vikings entertainment network area, I haven't been to the locker room. I haven't been out to practice. I haven't been to Zimmer's office. It's 2020, man. I'm accepting. What's it like calling a game in an empty stadium? I don't like it. Um, I really don't. I, I like calling the road games off TV a lot better. Now, granted, we haven't won a game at home. And uh, the Houston, Seattle, and uh, Green Bay games are super exciting. They play the Star Spangled Banner, whether you're in prayer or it's just uh, it's just some type of private stimulating moment for you. However, that's what it is. And the stimulation of the crowd is very important to me. Uh, when, we, um, when we unfurl the boom and do the game, it's business as usual. That's what it has to be. Uh, but I like calling the road games off TV better than home games with zero fans. Well, it's got to be a weird season for everybody, Paul. And uh, you're still the best at what you do. Fans or no fans, home mm. or away, watching it on TV or there in person. We appreciate some of your time. Love you. Send me Wanna one of those hats. Send me a set of those headphones. Let's see the hair. You, we're going to see the hair? I got to see the hair. Let's see the hair. I love you because old school is Let me best see it. school. Let's see. There were like 14 people you're... at profootballtalk.com when he was rogue, and I came in old school, best school. Here we go. Viewer hey, discretion man. advised. Hello. Hey, <laughs> oh, God. Put it back on. That's pretty good for being stuck under a hat. All but right. hey, you uh, know what? It's not Artie Lang. Take a break. My God. Yeah, you are Artie Lang. Let's take a break. No, it's Football not. Football Pond like, in America. You know me, Goodbye. but I'm your Goodbye. brother. Pond <laughs> in America when PFTPM continues right after this. Later. <laughs> Gigantic sports weekend coming up on NBC, beginning with the Breeders' Cup World Championships. Clemson versus Notre Dame, 7.30 Eastern primetime on Saturday night. Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy will be on the call. NASCAR Cup Series Championships Sunday at 3 Eastern. And then Football Night in America at 7 Eastern, leading into Saints at Buccaneers, one of the big games of the weekend. Oh, yeah, I'm playing on Sunday. You ever stub your toe, like, on the corner of a bed post or something? All the time, I appreciate uh, Yeah, that's kind of like what I'm dealing with, so that's tough. You know, it's like, <laughs> sucks. It hurts, so uh, I'm, I'm fine. I'll be, I'll be out at practice tomorrow, you know, just, just more um, maintenance than anything. Yeah, stubbing the toe on the corner of the bedpost, never a good feeling. It's good to know that even elite athletes are as clumsy at times as the rest of us, although he didn't do it that way. He injured it on the field. I'll, I'll still feel somewhat better that he deals with the same kinds of injuries the rest of us do from our own clumsiness. A few mailbag questions before we play football pod in America. And this is a very simple one. Mr. Juarez, 13, pizza or pasta? That's, that's <laughs> Look, I'm a pizza guy through and through. I mean, pasta can go in so many different directions, but I will never say no to pizza under any set of circumstances. There is no such thing as bad pizza. Any pizza is good pizza. And I probably should be saying pasta. That's probably more of a traditional Italian thing, but give me pizza any day of the week. At me then, why don't you? Can Tua take the Dolphins to a playoff win? I think the Dolphins go in a playoff game, but I don't think it's going to be because, be because Tua is coming out and playing like Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert. Look, Tua wasn't horrible. He wasn't bad. I think it's incomplete. It's too early to make any proclamations. But it wasn't that same, oh, wow, holy crap that we saw from Burrow and Herbert, their first games. Let's see what he can do this weekend against Arizona. They want to see improvement. You know, there's a chance he's going to be number three out of the three top six picks who were quarterbacks in 2020. Only one way to find out. Let's see him play. Dolphins are good enough to get to the playoffs and good enough to win in the playoffs, but it may not be Tua that's responsible for it. All right, at PFTPM Posse, Mike McCarthy was brought to Dallas because they had a Super Bowl-ready roster. So why does it now seem the expectations have changed and they're rebuilding? They weren't good before the injuries. Well, once Dak Prescott went down, the 
conversation changed dramatically. And it was about just salvaging and maybe rebuilding and maybe in a roundabout way tanking Jerry Jones, some of the word salad that he offered up earlier today on, or it was yesterday on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, suggested maybe they're thinking about, hey, if we're going to be bad anyway this year, let's see what our young players can do. And if it enhances our position in the draft next year, so be it. So they've got issues at quarterback. Obviously, it's going to be Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush on Sunday against the Steelers. Yes, the Steelers. I don't know if the winner of that competition actually has won anything because that guy is going to be thrown into a blast furnace literally against the Steelers on Sunday. All right, let's take a break. Football pod in America, Mike Tirico, Tony Dungy, Rodney Harrison, and yours truly. A great discussion about all things NFL. That's next right here on PFTPM. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Good to be with the guys with Tony and Mike and Rodney. And happy halftime, guys. The season is halfway done. I mean, some folks didn't think we'd be playing football in November, and we've gotten this far, which is a full credit to everybody behind the scenes and the players and coaches, too, are making a bunch of sacrifices. And we keep diving into what's going on on the field. And, Mike Florio, I'll let you hit this off because San Francisco-Green Bay is the Thursday night game. Green Bay, COVID impacted in a couple of places. But first to San Francisco. Uh, The 49ers, the NFC champs, Jimmy Garoppolo out for a stretch now, George Kittle out for a stretch. Uh, All of a sudden, in a difficult division, this is looking like a very uphill climb for the champs of the NFC to get back in the tournament. Well, it absolutely is. And to throw on top of that pile, Mike, the 49ers are shut down on Wednesday because they have a COVID-19 positive result coming from Tuesday when they had a full work day, which means... There will be potential close contacts with Kendrick Bourne, reportedly the guy who tested positive. There may be other players who suddenly are unavailable for Thursday night's game if that game even happens. So just another hardship for the 49ers who can't catch a break this year, whether it's injuries, now COVID-19, not having key players, and still somehow 4-4. Four and four. Tony Rodney, what is it about trying to repeat in the NFC, get back to the Super Bowl when you lose it? It is tough. It's tough to repeat if you win it. But if you lose it, then you've got that disappointment on top of that. You have a feeling, do we need to make changes? Do we just stick with what we've done? Everybody's still gunning for you. You get the tough schedules. Uh, it becomes really, really difficult. And uh, I never had to, to face it, you know, losing a Super Bowl. But even yeah. when you win one, it's a difficult year that next year. Yeah, and a good thing for Kyle Shanahan, he's gone through this early um, in the season. And he knows how to deal with it. He has a lot of confidence in his guys. The, the, the younger guys had an opportunity to come and get that valuable playing experience. So, I mean, who's, who's been better this year at dealing with injuries and adversity than Kyle Shanahan? So um, we just got to sit back and wait. But the best thing for them to do is continue to try to run the football, try to stop the run, play good defense, create turnovers, and um, just, just try to do something positive that, to help that offense out. And Mike I started Davis to mention that earlier. Go ahead, Tony. You go ahead. I started to mention that earlier. I talked to John Lynch after week three, mm-hmm. and he said Kyle Shanahan had done a phenomenal job of not letting the guys have excuses, of, of saying, you know, this is who we've got. We're still going to do what we do. We're still going to win. And building that into 
what the players were thinking. Now, this, this is a severe test. Now, you lose probably your best player on offense. You lose your quarterback. You've still got guys like uh, Debo Samuel who aren't 100% yet. Uh, so Kyle's going to be tested. But uh, I think John really was just really praising Kyle for that mindset of we're not going to have excuses. Guys, they lost to the front end of the season on the defensive side, Bosa as well as others. Rodney, the Green Bay is on the other side of this game if it happens on Thursday night. And Let's talk about the NFC North here for a second because Green Bay looked good early on. Chicago had moments where they, although the record was really good, people questioned it, but they were still sitting there as a five-win team. Now, after you've watched a couple of weeks of those teams not play as well, what is your concern level with both Green Bay and Chicago, the teams at the top of the NFC North? I'm, I'm going to focus on Green Bay. We've talked enough about okay. Chicago. And my biggest focus, and I got a chance to go back this morning when I woke up and watched that film, and it was the defense. And the thing that really was disturbing with all that talent that they got, all the money that they invested on defensive side, those guys didn't give great effort. And you see um, Preston Smith, he's getting blocked by Irv, um, Irv Smith, a, a, a pass-receiving tight end. He's not getting off any blocks, um, nose tackle um, Kenny Smith, he's getting double teamed. He's getting blown off the ball. The safeties can't tackle. It was just really disturbing. If you guys get a chance, go back and watch. Just watch the effort level of the defense. It's It almost seems like, Coach, at times they sit back and they know they have an explosive offense and they wait on Aaron Rodgers and to get up by two or three touchdowns. And these guys on defense, they're not focused on stopping the run. They want sacks. They want to get after the quarterback. And to me, you got to stop the run first in order to put yourself in a position to set up, you know, your ability to rush the passer and get those sacks, Coach? Well, they've been fortunate because they've been ahead so much, and that has allowed them just to play pass defense. Well, you're going to get in big games. You're going to play against good teams. You aren't going to be ahead, and you are going to have to stop the run, and they have not done mm -hmm. that real, real well. And then you flip over to Chicago, their problems are on the other side of the ball. Their offense yeah. has not been consistent at all. And, you know, you might – have a good record in the division and you might be okay you're not going to be successful in the playoffs being a one-dimensional team chicago's got to get their offense playing better green bay's got to get their defense playing better and the thing that was alarming about green bay aaron Rodgers said after the game that the team lacked energy and he said that in the past and yeah. he doesn't say anything accidentally and i just wonder who it is yeah. that's supposed to supply that impetus that kick that motivation so guys have energy who's supposed to be paying attention prior to the game in the locker room on the field wherever to turn that around if that's happening and that's alarming if that's something that we're going to see from the Packers especially because they've lost two out of the last three and they didn't have a lot of energy when they lost in Tampa Bay a few weeks ago hold on hold on Mike hold on it's the leader it's those guys in the locker room man you can't yeah. I can't sit here and expect Coach Dungy to pump me up to go out on the football field and go play. It comes from within. You know, They know what position they're in. They know that they have a really good team, but they're not good enough just to show up. They got to make sure that they're completely into it, that they bring full effort all the time. So I look at the Smith brothers. You paid them a heck of a whole lot of money. Adrian Amos, the free safety. I look at all these guys. You got veteran guys on that on Kenny Clark, you paid him a lot of money, and you have to expect these guys to come out and play every single week. So, Mike Flora, I would tell you, the veterans in that locker room, that's who you expect to come out and speak up and bring that energy every week. Mm -hmm. and, and let me ask this question. As a guy who has become yeah. a full-fledged member of the Aaron Rodgers fan club this year, what's his role? Even if it's oh, a defensive absolutely. issue. Is it his role, no, too, to, to, like Peyton Manning would do and Tom Brady would do? I promise you, I promise you, you would not get that quote from uh, the Colts when I was there. We didn't have energy. Peyton Manning would not allow that. Uh, and Rodney, I'm sure Tom was the same way. Yeah, but, but, but the way we looked at it is, Tom, you take care of the offense. We're going to handle the defense. Yeah. Coach, you handle the special teams. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's one of those things where – you know, Aaron Rodgers, a lot of times you listen to what he says, and a lot of times there's there's hidden messages, there's a level of sarcasm and things like that. But if I was on the Green Bay Packers, I'd say, Aaron, you don't have to talk about the defense. I'll make sure that the defense brings energy. You just make sure that the offense steps up and brings the same energy. One last Green Bay point. Mike, were you surprised that they didn't pull the trigger on the trade for Fuller from Houston? 
I wasn't surprised because you're taking on the remainder of an eight-figure salary for a guy who's had plenty of injuries. And, you know, you're, you're, you're basically trying to change a tire on a moving car when you pick up a receiver and jam him into a new offense. Look at what happened last year. Now, Emmanuel Sanders helped the 49ers, but they gave up a third-round pick. He walked away in free agency. The Patriots gave up a second-rounder for Mohamed Sanu. That didn't work out. I don't know what the Texans were looking for for Will Fuller, but the market, if it was set last year, maybe they wanted I, – I, I can't imagine they want a first-round pick for him. But uh, I, I wasn't surprised they didn't do it because mm-hmm. – and at another level, too, you're kind of acknowledging if you make the play for Fuller that maybe you should have used some of your draft assets on a receiver back in April and not not be playing this game to try to make your receiving core better on the fly. I think that probably was another reason why the Packers hesitated. And, and the thing people don't understand, it isn't like baseball. You just come in and play second base or you come in and play right field. You got to develop a, a chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. How long is that going to take for Will Fuller? So maybe you're hoping that, hey, by the time we get to the playoffs, he's ready to go. Uh, I, I just think that's a lot to ask a second or third round pick and then the guy might not even be there next year. And if, if, if you're the Packers, why would you go after a guy that has a history of injuries, a history of not being on a football field? I don't get it. I mean, if I'm going to target a guy, I'm going to ta- target a guy maybe like Allen Robinson from the Chicago Bears. I know he's in the same division, but I'm not going to target a guy that I know he's explosive, I know he's fast, and he can do some things, but you got to cross your fingers every week to see if this guy has a pulled hamstring or groin or something like that. I wouldn't touch Will Fuller if I was a team. So there you have the receiver issues in the depth and the veterans there. New Orleans has gone a couple of weeks, guys, here without Emmanuel Sanders, who Mike just mentioned. Michael Thomas has played one game. Guy who caught 149 balls last year has barely been a part of it. Yet here are the Saints at the top of the division. And on Sunday Night Football, we'll have Drew Brees and Tom Brady. We'll have the Saints and the Buccaneers. Uh, Top line thought on that game. Rodney, I'll get you uh, in here first. Well, just some of the matchups. You got uh, Malcolm Jenkins versus Gronk. I think that's going to be very interesting. You got these fast, athletic linebackers of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and defending Alvin Kamara in open space, Drew Brees. You know, how is he going to deal with Tampa Bay and the pressure and all the different things? So, for me, I'm looking at all the different matchups across the board. I think it's going to be great, Coach. Yeah, and I look at what – the Saints have been able to do, and it's amazing. Um, they have they played really well the first game against Tampa. They had all their weaponry there. They haven't had it since, and they're still winning. And they've got to feel like, well, if we can get Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders back, we're going to reach another level. But they're going to need that against Tampa. They're not going to beat Tampa if they don't have all their, their uh, machinery in place. I was intrigued by Mike Evans' comments to Lisa Salters of ESPN after the Monday night win over the Giants. He said that Antonio Brown hopefully will take away some of the double teams from Mike Evans, which concedes at a certain level that maybe Antonio Brown's the better receiver that would attract that attention away from Evans. But Evans hasn't done much this year, not nearly as much as I thought he would do with a quarterback like Tom Brady. But if you put Brown on the field with Evans and Gronk, who's coming along, what are the Saints going to do to slow down that offense, and it may end up being a 41-38 shootout, and whoever has the ball last wins. Hey, Mike, so, Florio, are you, are you thinking, so you're automatically assuming that Antonio Brown is going to be on the level that he was a couple years ago? Yes. Yes. And, and I, yeah, I don't, look, Tom, I don't Tom, think that— Tom Brady, Tom Brady didn't engineer this whole thing, Rodney, just because he likes the guy. Tom Brady knows what he's dealing with. He saw it for a couple of weeks last year in New England, and he hasn't let go of it because I think he saw in Antonio Brown something that maybe he hasn't seen since Randy Moss. I I know that, and all I'm saying is, you know, a guy hasn't played football, and he's not going to be looked at as coming in and have to be the number one one guy. I just think it's going to take some time, Coach. I mean, you know better than me. You've coached, you know, some of the greatest wide receivers to ever play. I I just think it's going to take a little time for him to come in, learn the offense, get acclimated, and know where his fit is. We saw Rob Gronkowski, and we saw them struggle earlier with some continuity because they didn't have the training camp. So I don't think Antonio Brown is just going to come in right away and just be successful because he's uh, Tom's teammate. Yeah, as you guys know, I live in Tampa, and – when Tom came, a ton of hype. Oh, our offense is going to be great and we're going to be on fire. And you had the COVID situation and he's taking all those receivers to Berkeley High School and they're working out every single day. But it's not the same thing. 
and we went four or five weeks. Oh, has Tom Brady lost it? Has Gronk lost it? Mm -hmm. He doesn't have, seem to have chemistry with Mike Evans. They're misfiring. What's happening? Yep. Well, now it looks pretty good. It looks very good, as a matter of fact. But I think Antonio is going to have that same situation. Hey, yeah, I run routes, and I may be fast, and I may be able to run 4-3 today. But I haven't run these routes with Tom Brady. He doesn't know how I'm going to come out of the break when I get jammed. When the guys, uh, when I read cover two, how am I going to break this off? Where am I going to go? And that, to me, is what has always made Tom great, that anticipation, that timing. That's going to have to develop. And, and that's Godwin, coming from one of the greatest Evan, coaches of all time. Yeah. Thank you, Coach. <laughs> God, Godwin. Evan, he you says that when Miller he agrees there, with you, Coach. You notice that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he goes back to that card. He how they, how coach, they can line, <laughs> How they can line up on the field if Antonio Brown works out will be such a problem. And then, by the way, you get spread out. You take Gronk. You detach him. You go with the four wides, which you could when Godwin Evans are healthy, Miller and Antonio Brown, right? And then you have a light box for Leonard Fournette and go deal with that and pound your head into mm -hmm. that, they could, Tony, have as many options as anybody going into the second half of the year. If Antonio Brown plays well and they do develop that right. chemistry, the only way you're going to be able to handle them is to be able to create tremendous pressure with a four-man rush. If you can't mm -hmm. pressure with four-man, if you have to blitz and cover all those guys one-on-one, -on -one, Tom is going to pick that apart. If you can't pressure and you say, well, I'm just going to cover, and Tom, we've seen him just be just precise up and down the field. So it's going to be a team that can rush with four guys, create pressure, and still mix the coverages. And there aren't many, many of those teams out there. And yeah, Florida, here we are talking I, about – good. Good, good, Rod. No, I was, just, I was just sitting here thinking, like, are we overrating Tampa Bay? I mean, we, we get so caught up and inundated with, like, all the weapons that they have, but are we truly overrating them? Because you saw them against Chicago. We saw some weaknesses there. We saw them against the Giants. And it just depends on how you look at it. Well, they overcame this, they overcame that to win, or sometimes they play down to the level of competition. So, But I look at, once again, I know Tom Brady. I've been knowing Tom Brady for 17 years, and I've been watching him play for 17 years. And once again, when you make him uncomfortable, you're right, coach. If you are able to rush him with four guys and, and make him uncomfortable, Tom turns into a completely different quarterback. So I'm really excited to see if he can handle pressure from, from the front four that you were talking about. So, Rodney, I'll challenge your point with this. Other than Seattle, who else in the NFC would you be willing to wager a milkshake on? Um... Saints, Seattle. Yeah. Um, and I don't no, mean that Mike, to I challenge you. Yeah, I don't mean that to challenge you. I'm just elevating the point here. There are not complete teams right now, right? This is an odd right. year. It's a different year. So you stop and you look at it, and these two, these may be, along with Seattle, the three best teams in the NFC built now for the second half. They've survived the first part of this. They're in position to do that. They have a chance to continue to ascend and get better. And there's a big if with Antonio Brown. I understand that. So I, I hear your point. I, I just think that all of a sudden the Bucks have elevated themselves because they're six and two into this level of conversation. Mike, they're six and two, but they still have eight more games to go. And the biggest deal dealing with the Bucks is their health. And that was one of the reasons when and when they went out and got Antonio Brown coach and we did this show, the last thing I said is they're getting depth at the wide receiver spot because those wide mm -hmm. receivers are always injured. Now, Gronk has been great the first eight games of the season because he's been healthy. I don't know if I can count on Gronk to be healthy the next mm -hmm. eight weeks of the season, the next two months of the season. Then you have playoffs and all those different things. So I, I don't know mm -hmm. how much I would bet that these guys stay healthy, and that's a big part of if they're yeah. going to have success or not, Mike Florio. Yeah. I think that applies to every team, though. But, but the, the Buccaneers may be more susceptible to it than others. I'll agree with you That's there all. because of the history of the injuries. Can they get through the mm -hmm. next eight games and ride into January with a full complement of healthy guys? We'll see. And an injury not many people are talking about is Vita Vea. Um, to me, that's made a huge mm -hmm. difference. They were yeah. stuffing the run, getting everybody in second and ten, second and nine, and then Todd Bowles can dial up all of these intricate blitzes. Well, now if you're able to run the ball on first down and make five yards and you're throwing in, in running situations and throwing against base defense, 
when the Giants showed that was different. Daniel Jones, if he could have hit some, some plays, they had a, a 35 or 40 point game out there. And a lot of it goes back to Tampa not being a stout against the run now. Hint, hint, high scoring game. And it, with, uh, <laughs> with, res- with, respect, with respect to the great Denny Green, Rodney, I wasn't trying to crown him. Not at this point, but I think we kinda <laughs> just we're just kind of pivoting to what we're going to look at here in the second half of the season. Uh, guys, that, what, what, one last one here, just a, a quick lap around on this. You know, you look at games and how the week lays out. Seattle going to Buffalo, intriguing game. That'll be fun to watch. Buffalo has come back a little bit in our eyes. Seattle continues to play well. They travel east. They always seem to travel east well. Pittsburgh-Dallas was that feature game. Man, that's going to be great in November, and we know what Dallas's deal is, and we know what Pittsburgh's deal is. So I'm going to ask you for one thought on this game. Miami at Arizona, which all of a sudden has become, Tony, a very intriguing game, in part because of the quarterbacks on the marquee, but the teams have been performing at a, at a pretty good level the first half of the season on both sides of this one. They really have. Young, aggressive team. And watch Brian Flores in that Miami defense. Kyler Murray has been running around, scrambling, moving around, getting the ball to different people. Watch Brian Flores come after him with a lot of different blitzes like he did last week. And Kyler Murray is going to have to handle the pressure, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, for me, I'm looking at um, Tua and just seeing if they're going to allow him to maybe open up a little bit more. I mean, last last week he didn't have to do very much. He had, I think, threw one touchdown pass. Um, his mm-hmm. defense played outstanding. But will they just be conservative, patient with him, or will they allow him to kind of open up the offense? And the second thing I'm looking for is, too, is when he gets hit, you know, just how his feeling is once he gets hit. Like last week he got hit, he kind of jumped up and shook off his shoulders, and it felt good that he didn't get injured again. So that should build some confidence as well. I'll tell you what my thought is. The, the Dolphins are going to realize pretty quickly there's a fundamental difference between Jared Goff and Kyler Murray. I think Murray's one of the most exciting players I've ever seen between the speed, the agility, and the awareness. He never gets hit squarely. He almost never gets hit at all. He'll slide sideways when he sees trouble coming. He he. He never gives in to that temptation to take on a defensive back because he's smart enough to know he would lose. But the way he darts through traffic, I, I don't know that the Dolphins are going to be able to handle him. And, and uh, that's why I think the Cardinals, given that they've beaten the Seahawks and they get to play him again, I think the Cardinals are a team we need to take seriously as a potential NFC West champion if they can take care of the games like this one where, hey, if they can beat the Seahawks, they should be able to hold their own against the Dolphins. Just remember, Mike, they lost to the Lions. That Well, I know, I know. And they shouldn't have. And they lost to the Panthers and they shouldn't no, have. So maybe they learned right. from that. Yeah, I mean, look, the, 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 the Lions set a tone for the big story of the week is that you can have a big lead in Michigan and things can change. On that note, <laughs> we will say goodbye. Yeah. Have a good some shade. That is I'm some just shade. Reporting. I'm just I'm just reporting facts. It, it, it's just the Lions <laughs> continue to get leads. We sit in the viewing room. What do I say, Tony, every week? What time will the Lions have a double-digit lead? Double we'll set the over-under at 1.30. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you this uh, Sunday oh, Football man. Night in America at 7 Eastern on NBC. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.